Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and I'm really excited about tonight's show. It's going to be a ban banner, as they say in Maine. And I'm actually uh, visiting down on the Cape uh, with a friend, and I'm excited about tonight's show. Uh, we have Gary Nolan, uh, is a professor at Harvard. Um, he's done a lot of work over the years, and uh, I was just talking to him a minute ago how the first time I was in touch with him was all the way back in 2013. And uh, there was a Atacama Desert Baby. We're going to be talking about that a little. It was thought to be an alien child by some. And uh, Gary did the work on that starting all the way back then. Um, so the second part of the show is going to be Lou Elizondo. And he might be coming in. He's going to be coming in a little bit um, early. I would say probably, hopefully, you know, maybe in a half an hour, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that from right now. Uh, a little bit about the show. I have five moderators in chat tonight. And the reason is, is there's a faction of people in the UFO world that has been attacking uh, Lou pretty hard. And uh, I, you're not welcome here. That's what I want to tell you. If you think you're going to do that tonight, you're not. You, I'm not going to take that tonight. We are going to bump you right out of the chat if you do anything like that. And there's not going to be any calls tonight. But I mean, if you think about it, um, there's no one else that has moved the needle forward more than Lou, in my opinion. And he deserves a lot of respect. And uh, and I uh, any interaction, I ask you all in chat, I want you to be respectful. And if you're not, I'm sorry, we're going to just have to uh, remove you from chat. So now that that is out of the way, um, I want to say that our blog this week is Cars Lifted Up and Transported by UFOs. That's by... Uh, Charles Lear. He forgot one locally or didn't find it locally. I sent it um, him a link that supposedly happened in New Hampshire, a young couple uh, way back. I don't know, maybe like uh, 20, 20 years ago or something like that. It's an interesting blog as usual. And uh, I think that's about it. I want to thank all the people that watch the show and listen. And thank you to the supporters out there. Um, the uh, information to do that is over at podcastufo.com. And that's enough of me bringing in our guest, Gary. Welcome. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being willing to be on this show. It actually took a while. We uh, we had a back and forth for quite a while. But uh, I, I was telling you off air before we started. We first ba talked back in, uh, I think it was May 2013. I sent you a karaoke video of a spoof on uh, Dr. Greer's Alien Baby Um I set to the tune with having my baby instead it was Greer and his baby. Anyway, the only video ever removed from YouTube on my channel, but I don't, and I have no idea how it happened, but trademark or something probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah, somehow. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, your interest goes way back. Um, I've listened to a couple of shows you were on and you, you were, you, and a lot of people say this, they first have an interest in uh, science fiction that kind of trickles over into this and I think what science fiction does, it kind of opens the mind a little bit to the possibilities of things that might happen. But um, you're at, you, you, you got a wonderful education. You are at Stanford, uh, a, a wonderful school. And uh, I guess, you know, before we get into how you really got into this topic and get interested in doing your work and all that, um, how is the, your relationship with the people at Stanford since you've kind of dove into this topic? 
Oh, it's it's great. I mean, Stanford has no problems. I mean, you know, the uh, when the Atacama um, issue arose, for instance, uh, Stanford, you know, there was a fair amount of PR uh, that went on. You know, newspaper articles all over the world were writing about it, and uh, you know, and then there was some controversy about where. Uh, who was the person who actually had originally obtained? Sorry, that's FedEx. That's all right. We are, we we love dogs on this show. Uh, who had originally obtained the 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 um, the mummy, and how it was that material came into my hands, and uh, you know, uh, you know, leaving a lot of those uh, let's say accusations aside, uh, Stanford st- stepped in with their PR ability and helped me manage that uh, in a way that, you know, prevented me from getting, let's say, emotional about it, because th- there were a lot of unnecessary things being said, as often happens in these kinds of situations. So uh, and right. so they've been nothing but great about it. Um, well, that's so, good. Yeah. And there's, you know, nobody within the school has an issue with me doing these investigations. I mean, they raise their eyebrows, they snicker sometimes, but you know, as long as I maintain my my day job uh, and I'm not on the, you know, I'm, I'm not at the school cafe lecturing people about this, you know, from the <laughs> top of a picnic table, then yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to be OK. Yeah. And did you have I, I think I heard you say that you actually had some of your students work on the that uh, investigation you did on that particular Oh yeah, no, they did it. Yeah. Frankly, they they did it all. I mean, I you know I took the DNA, I prepared the DNA from the sample uh, personally, um, and then sent it off to sequencing. Uh, and we actually had it sequenced twice because there was an inadequate amount in the first. Um, and then you know I, I'm not an expert in the kinds of bioinformatics personally that can, that need to be done on this kind of uh, stuff. Uh, so I brought in, I had started a company with one of my former students, uh, called Bina that we sold to Roche for about, I think it was 110 million. Uh, it was a bioinformatics company and, and it was, it did sequencing alignment as it's called. Sorry for all the background stuff going on. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I I love dogs. So, um, the, uh, and so I enlisted their help. I mean, that's now like 500 people at Roche Diagnostics. And it's so they stepped up and helped with it. And then several students did. And two other Stanford professors, one a, a specialist in South American genomics and the other just a specialist in genomics. And so, you know, the students were the ones who basically found the uh, the alterations uh, and then the professors as usual, help write and position the paper and make sure all the right caveats are put in. So, um, you know, it was a great group effort. I mean, at the end of the day, I personally made sure that I took the incoming fire uh, and, you know, stand in the way of of all of the stuff that was happening. Um, Because, you know, that's the nice thing about tenure is that it it gives you the option to just speak your mind uh, in a positive way. Yeah. Well, I, I think of Dr. John Mack, um, you know, good thing he was tenured, but it was, it was pretty close in his situation. I'm, I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of, looked. Oh into yeah, that. no, I know. I know yeah. quite. Yeah. I know the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So when this, um, 
Well, I, I should say spoiler alert, everyone. This is a, this was a human, right? I mean, yeah. there's still con- I mean, there's still people trying to peddle it. I mean, are still talking about it being alien. Uh, I mean, they can, you, yeah. you know, I mean, people believe the Earth is flat. I mean, you know, we, we all know where the thing is. It's in yeah. Barcelona, owned by a, a private owner. Go and convince that individual to give you a piece of the material uh, and uh, and uh, repeat it. But frankly, you know, as I said publicly, uh, now that we know what it is, and I didn't know what it was when I first got it. I thought it was a monkey. Um, at, really? At, at wow. Past. Yeah. And uh, now that we know it's human, we shouldn't be, you know, it's just, it just shouldn't be abused. It should be returned and, and treated yes. like that. Yeah. You know? Well, along these lines, you must have seen what was touted for a while as the Roswell alien, which was also a mummy. Did you oh, happen I, to follow I don't know that? What you mean, but, but okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was another situation where, it was it was nothing that was in hand, but it was images of an old Kodak Kodak slide, and it was basically images. It was pictures that someone took in the 1940s in a museum, and they were trying to oh, sell them one. off yeah, as being. Yeah, I saw that yeah. in a glass case. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's correct. Yeah, yeah, and then also the the uh, Star Child. That's something you know a little bit show. about, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so that's another awesome. one. Well, yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I brought the owner of the skull out to Stanford and I took it down uh, to our high end tomography um, setup. We have there's an experimental tomography setup, n- not the not the normal medical one. Um, and we did a high resolution scan. I still got it on my computer somewhere. I sent it off to them. Um, and then I brought it to a bone specialist and I said, is there anything unusual about this uh, in terms of the you know, the morphology. And he said, well, obviously it's got, it's got problems, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's got this, that, and the other uh, disorder that we can see clearly, you know, and then somebody brought some DNA or showed me some DNA sequence and the DNA sequence was frankly just rubbish. It was basically probably fungus DNA contaminating the the sample. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and does, you have to be so careful about contamination, right? I mean, it could oh, yeah. any type of work you're doing. It's could throw. I mean, it's such sensitive material overall, right? I mean, well, the I mean, all of these techniques are using a technology at the start called DNA amplification or polymerase chain reaction, and it's something that can take a single molecule and make it into ten trillion uh, copies of it. And so, if if you have one piece of DNA, you know, in your sample that replicates just a little bit faster during the amplification process and the stuff that you're interested in, it will take over the sample. It's just mm-hmm. evolution, but right. in your testing. Yeah. Have you heard of Dr. Michael Masters theory that what we're seeing here is possibly time travelers? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another fascinating, you know, uh, theory out there, I think. And, yeah, and I mean, we, we, you know, look, there's yeah. there's lots of different things, and and you know, he he paints a very interesting speculative story. I I can't prove or disprove it, you know, yeah. but I know one thing that that you know I, I've learned enough about Jacques Vallée from constant interaction with him. He lives nearby. Uh, that his his uh, retort would likely be something along the lines of, 
or maybe it's something that's trying to look like it's coming from the future. Uh, <laughs> hey, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So here, here's a question. I, it, it's off topic more or less, but I always want to ask someone like you, the very first spark of life, how mm-hmm. does someone like you think that could have happened? Well, I, I would recommend um, uh, people read uh, a book by uh, Richard Dawkins, The Selfish Gene. Uh, he goes into that quite a bit. Um, and some old Scientific American things about something called quasi-species and hypercycles. And But the, the essential notion is that once you have something which can, let's say, is the template for self-replication, Right, something that can can bind itself and can then uh, polymerize more copies of itself or enable more copies of itself in a unrestricted, resource-free environment. It will take over that environment. Right, that's just the selfish gene hypothesis. Um, but the problem is that you need to surround things uh, with um, walls to protect your resource from somebody else's resource. And that was probably something akin to the first cell, right? Now, whether it's RNA or protein or DNA and how it all came along uh, is, you know, open to interpretation. And there've been a couple of Nobel prize. I think Jack Sostak got the one about the RNA world at Harvard. Um, And, uh, you know, but I think the interesting thing is there's a, there's a paper out there, um, about when the life potentially began. And without going into all the gory details of it, the trajectory projection points to life beginning something around 10 billion years ago, right? By looking at DNA code and assembly and how fast it changes. Uh, there's a problem with that. Yeah, Earth's we're 4 billion. About 4 billion years. Yeah. So either the things that they were measuring happened very fast asymptotically and then curved off to a linear and that we're only looking at the linear and they were ignoring something that happened very quickly. Um, or it did go all the way back and panspermia is the right interpretation of how life got here. And people say, oh, how could life get here? Oh, well, because everything in your molecule, in your body came from an exploded yeah. sun somewhere. Supernovas, yeah. You know, 12 billion yeah. years ago. So it, it, stuff happens. Yeah, uh, and I, I was kind of visual of of time. Right, and one of the one of the things I also think about is um, how could we possibly have all this life starting from a single cell? You know, one the first single cell, and then eventually out of the ocean and all that. And and when it comes to the human, you. Know, it just seems like we developed awfully fast. You know, maybe, maybe I'm totally off on that. I don't know. You know, someone like you studies this all the time. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I see a guy, Brian Kelly in here. No way there was time for such randomness. Talk about junk science. You know, look, that's what, if that's what you want to believe, go ahead and believe it. Why don't you just go read a book uh, like the selfish gene and, and the, the watchmaker, the, uh, the blind watchmaker. Uh, come back to me then, and if you've actually read that book, uh, then I'll in, then I will, um, you know, entertain your uh, intelligent design. Period. Paragraph. 
Okay. Well, uh, speaking of that, I will be taking. Uh, we are. We are. We have moderators in there. If there's any, uh, you know, any trouble, but also I will be trying to get some questions up. I. I. I kind of made the mistake last week, and said to the audience, I said, "Who's coming up this week?" And I said, "If you have any questions." please uh, email me. I gave them my email address and they came in every type of communication that I have possible. The questions came in. So um, Facebook, which I never go on and, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I was waiting for like LinkedIn messages, but I didn't get those, but I do have some questions that did come in. We also have questions in the chat that are, uh, I will try to get to I'm reading your but- chat. What's that? I, think I can't do two things at once. I'm reading. That's right. And it's, it's, it's actually hard for me. Hey, would you mind? We there's Lou is in, is in, do you mind if I just pull him in the three of us together? Sure. All the way through. Here we go. Lou, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Martin. How are you? Gary, great to see Good. you again. How are you doing? My friend. Great. You probably didn't know I was going to bring you in this early, but. Here we are. No, I was actually listening to Gary. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a closet Gary fan, uh, despite, uh, of course, I, me knowing Gary for quite some time and his work in ATIP, um, you know, from, from a wannabe immunologist like myself to, you know, to a, <laughs> a Nobel nominee, you know, he, he kind of represents that, that, you know, everything I always wanted to be as, as a microbiologist immunologist. So uh, forgive me for, for <laughs> sneaking in the back of the church, but, I wanted to, uh, to 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 hear Gary. Uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Gary. Yeah, and vice versa. Yes, right. Well, I think uh, you know you both of you have given so much credibility to this topic. Have helped um, so much, and it's it's really you know it's been I, I've seen such a change since 2017 till now. I mean, I I used to do the show and be, I'm a professional as far as I'm a fine art appraiser and antiques and all that. And I used to be scared to death to bring up this, Hey, you know, I do a show on UFOs. I'm not afraid at all. I, I bring it up quite often these days and I don't, well, Bart, if, if I can real part of that is, is thanks to Gary. Uh, you know, Gary is one of those guys who, who has gone really uh, in the shadows for a long time. And until recently, most people had no idea Publicly, anyways, I mean, of course, we knew who he was inside the government, but publicly, very few people knew what Gary was really doing uh, for us behind the scenes. And I got to tell you, um, at some point, you know, my, my hope is that the world will get a chance to know just truly. And I'm not saying this because Gary's my friend. I'm telling you, honestly, the guy has done more for this country, in this topic than just about anybody else. And, um, you know, I certainly I'm humbled to, to call him a colleague and a friend. Um, but we we're better off for it. And this topic is way better off for it. And the type of rigor that he applies in, in looking at this topic has really helped us within the U S government have a much better understanding, potentially, potentially what we're dealing with. Um, if you ever had a chance to talk to Gary, this is a guy, he's a no BS kind of guy. I mean, zero BS. And, um, and he's committed and he, he's, he's, he's a consummate professional. And uh, all I can say is, you know, we're, we're certainly my colleagues and, and myself are certainly blessed to, to call him uh, to call him friend, uh, especially on this topic. He has really helped move the needle forward. And and I will tell you, at some point, the U.S. government will probably come out and, and acknowledge just how helpful he's been. But I can tell you until that point comes, I'll tell you with 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 no uncertainty, 
Gary is, is truly a national treasure. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible what he's been able to, to do for us. Well, thank you. <laughs> there goes his head. My head is my head uh, fit through a door. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, no, just to say that. I, I, I mean it. Um, at some point, um, you know, my my hope is that people can really get a chance to to know who Gary is, not just professionally, but as a human being, and, and what he's been able to to do for us. Uh, and by the way, it's it's not over. Um, he he's still yeah. Gary. Forgive me for saying this, but but he's still working for the cause um, on a regular, continuing basis, and it's. Uh, it's been an honor and privilege uh, to know that he's been, you know, on, on this journey with us this entire time. Well, Lou, Lou and I are looking forward to working together now in, let's say, some more formal manners uh, that we'll be able to talk about um, in the near future. More for me, more on the academic side, uh, Lou, more on the things that he's been doing before. But I think the community at large is going to uh, really be thankful for how we're trying to make this more transparent and academic. I mean, the objective here, and Lou and I have had many conversations about this along with Sean Cahill and others, um, of how do we bring in other academics, make it respectable, fund some of this work, right? Not fund it within the government, fund it outside of the government. Right. So that people can do what scientists normally do, fight with each other about what's yeah. right. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, uh, argue over the data. And so, yeah. you know, it's just it's not a good idea to have an executive or a politician put the data in a drawer or try to interpret it with whatever their agenda is. Right. It's get it out there so that, you know, transparency does scare away the cockroaches and transparency does allow you to look at all sides of the issue. And so that's really what my objective is. And I, I've told everybody that I've been interacting with, I said, I'm only interested in doing this if we get the chance to publish it. Right. Gary. Uh, I, I agree with First that. All, yeah. Tra transparency Gary, is, it's not yeah. uh, it's non negotiable. We got we got to be as transparent as we possibly can. And by the way, real quick before I know Martin, you got something to say. Let me just apologize for Sean not being here uh, with us today. Yes. He wanted to be. He's on a plane yeah. back. He spent the week with me uh, here in, in in Wyoming. He's now headed back uh, to California. But uh, he wanted me to express to you and your audience his apologies for for not being here this evening with us. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I forgot to mention that in the beginning why he wasn't here. Uh, Gary, first of all, is the dog behind you still alive? Yes, he is. Uh, yeah. He um, he sleeps like that. He's 15 years old, so oh, wow. um, yeah. you know he he gets tired pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. And Gary, I want to say to your credit, um, someone that's in the science realm uh, told me they contacted you and uh, kind of uh, you know went point over point with uh, the paper uh, that you have published on the, on the crash materials or whatever, and said mm -hmm. you were very, very kind and, uh, and you, you didn't throw your ego around. And that's uh, what you see a lot of times when someone has something out there. Um, a lot of times there's an ego that seems to push against whatever, uh, but it sounds like you're very open 
to uh, to the possibility of uh, finding new data and wherever it leads, which yeah, is great. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, 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 the data always needs to be reinterpreted, and there's always a better person than you out there that might see it from a, an angle you didn't um, or know a better analysis technique that should have been applied. So I never have a problem with somebody saying, hey, you should have done this rather than that. Or, oh, by the way, you missed this. I mean, why? Unless you're trying to fool somebody, why would you be afraid? Yeah, that's right. And like you said, transparency, I think that's the best way. And speaking of that, you know, how do you think uh, the transparency will be, Lou? I guess I'm going to direct this to you. Uh, moving forward with what the government is setting up, uh, do you, um, I hear a lot of controversy about that? Yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction. Um, they are uh, they're taking the topic seriously. Both the I mean, we, we forget that the government isn't this great big monolith. It's composed of of three different, if you will, departments, right, or branches. You have the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch. In this particular case, the legislative branch has put sufficient amount of pressure on the executive branch to do the right thing. You now have the establishment of the AOIMSG office. Um, As of today, the funding bill was signed. uh, So there's actually funding for this this capability that will reside within my old office under the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. Um, There is some renewed commitment by senior leaders in the U.S. government to continue to tackle this this topic um, and and keep it as a priority. Look, I got to tell you, uh, major kudos to to Avril Haines, uh, our first female director of national intelligence. She is taking this topic very very seriously, and um, you know she she's not looking to pass the buck. Uh, I, I think there's been some renewed um, energy, if you will, within my old office, the USDI. My primary concern initially was that. They were going to go ahead and subordinate this office the way they did before when when I was in the USDI. Uh, and it looks like that may not be the case, that those individuals that that had a chance to do the right thing and failed will not be given another chance to, to manage this portfolio. And they will bring in fresh blood, both civilian and military leadership. And I think that's fantastic. That's exactly what we need. We need uh, people that will, will look at this topic objectively. Um, not try to hold a grudge and say, well, you know, because I didn't know about this before, uh, I'm not going to take it seriously now. No, you will. And by the way, it's law. And, and if you don't, now you're breaking the law. So I, I think um, I, I think we're definitely on the right path. We have a ways to go. We're, we're definitely not at the finish line yet. This is why I said a long time ago, I tried to brace everybody. Look, this is a marathon. This isn't a sprint. So if yeah. you're looking for, you know, some sort of immediate uh, satisfaction to this, that's this is not the case. This this is going to take a while, but we've come a really far, a really long way in just just four years. And I think Gary's absolutely right. Transparency, sunlight sometimes is the very best antiseptic, and and I think that's that's what's needed on this topic. Um, for far too long, we've relegated this topic uh, to to the air, publicly to the areas of, of fringe and within the government, uh, the areas of oversecrecy. And it really hasn't done us any good, uh, not just from a governmental perspective, but certainly from a public perspective. So so the time has come. And, and Martin, thanks to you and other people, uh, we're, we're finally able to have this conversation. Um, you know, you said in the beginning here, and I want to thank you for this, for, for not, not tolerating the hate. 
Um, look, there's, there's, and I'm only going to say this one time and then I'm going to move on. There's a lot of people out there um, that don't want the truth to be told and they will obfuscate and they will do whatever they can to make a lot of noise and, and to try to detract from, from what's happening in the U S government and, and with our efforts. Um, the only thing I can say is the reason why you'll, you'll see guys like Gary and me pulling out uh, out of the, the public spotlight to, to some degree is that, look, we, we're trying to be as fair and transparent as possible, but we got a real job to do. And, and for all those detractors out there, look, you had a chance. You had a chance to be part of the conversation and, and you chose not to be. And so, look, rather than, than being part of the conversation, you can just wait and be told what to think. You know, and I, and I hate to say that. And this is not directed at anybody, anybody out there right now in your audience or anybody else who's been following this topic and really wants to know and has been asking the good questions. I've been following this topic for the last four years. This is not directed at them. This is directed for the small handful of people who tried to hijack this conversation and either tried to enrich their pockets with it or for whatever reason, try to, to control the narrative. Those days are over. Uh, we are folks like Gary and myself, we are moving forward. We are continuing to move forward, and and I gotta I gotta tell you, within within the next year, I think people are going to be really really surprised and and probably amazed on on how far we've come with this conversation. Things are happening every day, literally every day. There's 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 new information being brought up to the U.S. government, which will ultimately make its way to Congress, which will hopefully ultimately make its way to the American people. Uh, we can't short circuit that process. I can't go out and do what Edward Snowden did, and, and certainly neither can Gary. But we are trying to work within the system, and I think I think we're really close. I think we're really close to this this moment that everybody's been kind of waiting for for the last, whether it's four years or four decades or frankly the last seven decades. I think Martin, we're really really close, and we have support like we've never had before, and we've got data like we've never had before. Yeah. And, and speaking of data, um, a lot of people have asked me this question, why, you know, why not look at historical cases? And I always hear back that's because, you know, they didn't have the recording. They weren't able to record it with as, as well as they can with the equipment. But uh, certainly there's been so many great cases over the years. Uh, does that mean we should just ignore all the old cases? No, 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 absolutely not. That's not what that means. What it simply means is that for our, our officials in government, these are folks that have very uh, narrow bandwidth. They are dealing with all sorts of issues right now, whether it's economic issues or, or Ukraine or all these other issues. So, so what, we, what we have to try to do is deliver information in bite-sized pieces. And if you go back historically to the 70s and the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. It's, it's interesting information, but to a lot of these folks, it's considered anecdotal. I'm not saying it's not important. What I'm simply saying is we don't have the fidelity of information. And most of the people, frankly, back then aren't even around. They're, they're, they're dead. So, you know, we can spend our time focusing on right. some of these older events, <laughs> or we can spend our time focusing on the new events that are just as compelling. But by the way, We've got a lot more data, right? We've got the electro-optical data. We've got the radar data. We've got the telemetry data. We've got, you know, hyperspectral potentially and, and, and sonar and other stuff. So, again, let me let me reiterate, Martin. It's not that it's not important. It is important. But if you only have so much resource to go around, you have to, you have to choose priorities. 
And those priorities are, are, are in some cases based upon the amount of information you have available to you. So do you want to spend a finite amount of resources looking at something that happened in the 50s or the 60s? Or do you want to spend on something that happened, let's say, last week with a, you know, a, a, a nuclear aircraft carrier? And so that's where the whole racking and stacking comes into place. So once again, let me reiterate, it's not that the old cases aren't interesting and they're not compelling and they're not, they're not, they're not informative. They are absolutely. But you only have enough resources to cover so much. We are finally at the point where the American government has, vis-a-vis the, the, the legislators and the American people, have now required to spend more money, more resources on this topic. So I think as time goes on, we're going to see more of that historical data being incorporated. There are several efforts, I won't go into detail right now, to incorporate some of that historical data and see if we can, can find similarities in current information, trends, right? Trend analysis, like we, we call it in intelligence. And in so doing, you know, help us understand, look, how long have we really been dealing with this phenomenon, right? Because a lot of people will say, well, this could be Russian, this could be Chinese. Okay, but we were seeing the same things in the 50s. Here's the radar track. Here's yeah. the telemetry. Here's the eyewitness data. Let's yeah. face it. No countries in the 50s had this technology. I mean, arguably, we don't yeah. have this technology now, but certainly in the 50s, we didn't have it. So as time goes on, yeah. I think we're going to see more of that historical information incorporated into, into current efforts. Right. No, no, I agree that uh, uh, yeah, the, the one thing that was a little frustrating was – the fact that when people were out there saying, oh, this is just, you know, a technology that we don't know about and, you know, our, our black project or something like that. But the same exact things were seen, you know, 50 years ago. And they they act like they're they're basically unaware of that. Gary, um, so how does your expertise, uh, what, what type of focus would you have in, in research um, that you do when it comes to uh, this this topic. I mean, wh- what do you get involved in besides the uh, metamaterials that you had looked at? Oh, let me un- un- unmute your mic, Gary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think at a high level, um, the project overall needs uh, a scientific inclination and somebody who's run large projects scientifically and knows what the, mm-hmm. you know, what's required for a publication. Right. How do you do it right? How do you not go overboard? How do you caveat the writing of it so that nobody walks away with the wrong interpretation? And so at, at one level, especially when it comes to like metamaterials, I mean, I'm not a metallurgist, but I know enough to bring in the right kinds of people and to garner the kinds of instrumentation in one place to create a pipeline to do the analysis. I wasn't able to do that before. Right, to do it correctly. I mean, I did it all out of my own pocket, literally. And it cost me about $50,000 or so out of my own pocket to do the stuff that went into that Council Bluffs uh, paper. Um, and so, you know, but, but if you're talking about an actual piece of technology, right, that you want to understand, you need to understand it right down to probably the atomic level. So to do that, we need new kinds of instrumentation. And so the last two or three years, I've actually been working on something like that. Right. And I'm actually was I almost missed your podcast because I was in the middle of writing a grant to put together the money for the thing. And I got so focused on it uh, that I almost lost track of you guys. Um, Yeah. And and so, again, I'm not a specialist in that area, but I know enough about how to bring 
my talents for building instruments to it. And I'm using, frankly, biology and the kind of biology that I want to do in cancer research as the, as the leverage to show people why it's important. Right. And then once I show it's important for that, it'll be it, it's just it is just as important for any kind of other material. So, you know, let, let's say that somebody gave me a piece of they claim body. of yep. something. OK, now there are ways that I can look at it to see if it's if it's, you know, earth based. But then if I don't know what it is and I, if it doesn't have DNA or doesn't have proteins, how do I figure out what it is? So there's like a whole slew of tests that you could run. But at the end of the day, what you really want to know is the atomic structure, right? Because the atomic, so th there's an old saying in biology, form equals function, right? So if you understand structure and form, you can understand the function of something, frankly, just by looking at it. So much of biology that we do, for instance, is you create all of these tags and you look around inside of a black box and you feel around and you draw what you think you're feeling, right? Why not just take the picture? The ultimate picture is the atomic structure. So I would rather spend two or three years making that than spending two or three years getting what I know are inadequate answers. Because mm -hmm. in those three years, I will have catapulted us up to a level of capability that will be beneficial to everybody. And that's how I've always run what I'm doing. You know, one of the things that people like don't understand is you don't have to be an expert in everything to be good at something. You just need to understand how the black box operates, what goes in, what comes out. I don't need to know what the mess, the sausage factory that goes on inside. Mm -hmm. No, I and totally get that. And take advantage of, of technology that's available. I actually get that in the way I do my work. You know, I can't specialize in everything, but um, I know how to get there, you know, and when I'm doing my research, um, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a long way around. But still, um, I what what's happening here? You, Gary, you're on for this first hour and then lose on because I got so many questions for both of you. And uh, some people are going to get a little upset that I didn't get to their questions. But um, for Gary, no, specifically, I'm traveling aliens, so I'm happy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, time is another one that seems to come up on this this show. What you were talking about, Gary, was so fascinating to me. I, I really want to look into this when you started talking about that. That it appears th that life goes back 10 billion years when we're only four billion years. Uh, that mm -hmm. that is fascinating to me, and uh, I'd like to know more about that. I, I'd like, I'm going to be looking into that a little bit. But uh, Gary. Um, What's that? I'll send you the paper. It's fascinating. Oh, ec excellent. Excellent. So uh, someone wanted to know, Gary, if you had the chance, and I don't even know if you know about this, but to compare or look at the isotope ratios of what Roger, Dr. Roger Lear, these are what people have uh, had removed from them that they were calling them implants. I don't know if you even had heard anything about that. Oh, no, I, I, I have. Um, and my primary issue with it is that, and I've been given some of these materials and I sent them back as soon as possible um, because uh, they didn't come with the associated consent forms, right, that are required for any kind of study with human materials. They weren't de-identified. And basically I would end up in front of, you know, the Stanford's version of the, of the star chamber 
uh, if I were to have analyzed those things. Um, and so that doesn't mean, though, that you can't go forward with this. You just need to have in place the consent forms, the allowances, the institutional review board, et cetera, that allows you to do that. Because God help it if the, somebody took something out and didn't send it off to a pathologist and it ended up being a cancer. And then you're basically looking at it, mm-hmm. trying to prove that it's an alien implant and the person dies from cancer. Oh, right? wow. Yeah, a lot of liability there. A lot of liability. I mean, I mean, it's not just the lawyers. It's just maybe I might feel bad about that. Right. right? It, it's just, you know, just yeah. something that shouldn't be done. And so that's why there are these processes that we can put in place. And, you know, should somebody come with a credible story of such a thing? Now we mentally at least have the process and soon we'll have the formal ability to do it. I see. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, Lou, uh, I heard you say on uh, the theories of everything, uh, not not this last interview, but one before. I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines, you, you posed a question. Uh, what if there is some type of intelligence, a higher intelligence that might be here that we're not aware of? And I wondered, do you under, do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And can you elaborate any more on that? What where you're getting at? Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, joking aside, I would argue that my dog is smarter than, than the vast majority of people out there, including myself. Uh, but in, in reality, um, we we are we are we are learning more and more about this little biome we call planet Earth every day, and we continue to discover new species. Um, I said before, you know, there were for for hundreds of years there were the the three primary kingdoms of life forms on this planet. And that was plants, animals, and fungus. And lo and behold, after all this time of our species being here, let's say hundred thousand years as Homo sapiens sapiens, it turns out in just the last century alone, right? Just just the last less than one percent of our time as a species. We discovered that there is a another there's another living organism that's been sharing this planet with us. Uh, that its biomass, if you were to take all the biomass of all the animals, all the biomass of all the plants, and all the biomass of all the fungus together, wouldn't equal up to the biomass of this hidden living kingdom that we've been sharing this planet with. That's been invisible to us all along, and that is the the, the if you will, and Gary can elaborate on this 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 whole kingdom of, of microorganisms that we've been inhabiting uh, this planet with for, for since potentially the beginning. Um, and so we, you know, I think we have to remain humble as a species. We have to recognize, look, almost every week, scientists are discovering new species on this planet, species that we thought were extinct, new types of extremophiles that live in, in the bottom of the Antarctic ice, miles below the ice or below the ocean that don't even rely on photosynthesis, but rely on chemosynthesis, right? Um, to some degree, living things that potentially living things that don't even have deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA, the building blocks of life that we have, we have long held to be part of being a, a, a living thing. Uh, there are some things out there like viruses that, that survive solely off of RNA, uh, ribonucleic acid. And so we're always adjusting our definition of what life is. Is it possible that in, in 
the centuries of our search for life in our solar system, whether it's microorganisms on Mars or technosignatures within our own Milky Way galaxy, that during the time of our evolution of our species, that some sort of intelligent life has found us first or perhaps has cohabitated with us. Oceans are huge, and we are now seeing that there is a direct correlation between UAP, or unidentified aerial phenomenon, potentially USOs. These are, are like UFOs, but underwater. Are they the same thing? Have they been here the entire time? We don't know yet, but it's certainly, it's certainly a question we have to ask ourselves if we're going to be truly honest with ourselves. And um, I, think, I think that's fair game. Um, I, I think it's, we have to be careful. You know, we don't want to speculate too much, but I, I think we have to leave those options open. You know, I, I've said this before, all options really have to stay on the table until they're no longer on the table. As crazy and fanciful as it may be, you know, we really have to consider all options. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I, I know we can only, we can only see so much of the spectrum too. You know, I mean, there could be, other things non-detectable around us, or, or forgive me if I'm wrong. I mean, do we have all the equipment needed to detect things that are around us that we can't be aware of? Well, Martin, we, we, we don't know. We don't know. And Gary will tell you the same thing. I mean, what about dark energy and dark matter? The, the vast That's majority right. of mass in, in, in the universe, we, we can't even, we can't even measure. We can't detect it. We can't see it. Yeah. So by definition, most of the universe still remains hidden from us. I mean, if that's any, yes. if that's any consolation. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on that, Gary? Here, any other comment? On no, I was just, I was literally going to say the, the dark matter issue and, um, you know, and I was just, I was reading something just last night about, you know, the, the many worlds, hypothesis in quantum physics because it relates to some other serious work I'm doing um, and it kind of drifted off into into that and you know this this notion that things elsewhere might influence us things that are adjoining us right through signals that we can't yet contemplate or understand right this I mean I've said this before this you know, you're you're just a a bundle of quantum waves interacting with itself, uh, mm-hmm. and that's who and what you are. But at a higher level, your meat brain interprets you as you and me. Uh, but and we interact via quantum processes every day, but we don't call them that. And so, who's to say that there's not other processes going on nearby that we're just not aware of? Right, some sort of energy that is in and of itself self self-determining you know one of the most interesting ones eric davis once pointed me to i hadn't heard of it before is this concept called boltzmann brains and um so boltzmann brains this is the famous physicist from the late 1800s the german physicist i think he was german physicist where he said well at the instantiation of the universe at the big bang there would have been all possible organization of particles in a and 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 particles in a confined volume, which meant that every organization of anything that was possible was actually probably there, including things that would have been self-aware. So his his basic notion was that there might have been self-aware things way back almost at the beginning, that some of which survived the Big Bang. 
and some of which which might have learned to self-replicate. And so wow. whatever that is might have been around since the beginning. If it if yeah. it exists. But I mean, go read it up and you, you can wiki it and uh, absolutely fascinating concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, you know, dark matter and dark energy is that that's another topic that I find totally fascinating um, that we have no idea what they are. And that's when things like the multiverse and um, and all that come come into play. I mean, there's there is an answer for it. We just don't know what it is. You know, I mean, there has to be an answer for it. Um, there's uh, here's a question for you, uh, Blue. Are there. Was there ever any investigations outside of the U.S. with what you were doing? Uh, yes, but we had to be very careful because in ATIP we were bound by primarily Title Ten authorities. Um, for and I don't want to get into nuances here, but so people understand um, the way the U.S. government works. National Security Department of Defense operates under Title X authorities, National Security Act of 1947. That's where those authorities are derived. I'm not going to give you a lesson here on policies and laws, but that's where those policies are, are derived from. The intelligence community, like, for example, Director CIA, those are Title 50 authorities. So what that simply means is that when you are in a DOD organization, you're hamstrung to, to only operating within your, your assigned authorities, in this particular case, Title X. So what that means is that you're really relegated to talking to military pilots, military personnel, uh, military contractors, and and collecting your information that way. That is a, a, a fundamentally different approach than what you see now with the Gillibrand Law, sponsor, co-sponsored by Marco Rubio and many others, which is a whole-of-government approach. Now you're including FAA, you're including DHS, you're including the, the intelligence community, you're including NASA. You're including NOAA. You're including Department of Energy. It's it's a much bigger piece. You're also including state, local, tribal law enforcement authorities. So now, you know, before where you might get some civilian information coming in about a UFO, we would never reach it to our desk because we're, we're, we're only focused on military equities. Now we have the potential to get information from the, the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers in this country. Uh, reporting on incidents that will now make its way up to 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 the U.S. government, and so it's it, it's a huge huge step in the right direction. We didn't have that that privilege when I was working in ATIP. We had to be very mindful of our authorities, and what we had to do is make sure we did not over the if you would step over something we call intelligence oversight. Okay, there's there's something called a Procedure 15 violation, DoD Directive 5240.1. One R, and again, I won't bore you with the minutiae, but these are the rules and regulations in place so we do not step on the rights and privileges of American citizens, U.S. persons. And so the collection, retention, dissemination, and analysis of U.S. persons' information is is verboten by defense equities unless there's a very specific reason you need to do it. So we were prohibited from that. That's not the case anymore. You now have a much more robust, much bigger effort underway to collect this information. It's 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 huge, it's seismic, and I I cannot overstate to your to your audience what a big deal this really is. Because now, for the first time, we are truly lifting the blinders off of our our head and beginning to to look at this topic uh, a little bit more more holistically. 
Yes. Um, the, the new department that is, uh, whoop, is Gary gone? There he is. Oh, there was a dog situation. Okay. Yeah. Your, your, your mic is muted. Uh, the question I was just going to ask, oh yes. In the new task force, Lou, that has been set up, um, and it's that really long, I can't even think of the name of it. It's kind of a silly name. Um, the acronym would be kind of hard A-O-I-M-S-G. to A-O-I-M-S-G. We call it the AIM office, but it's the A-O-I-M-S-G office uh, within the yep. USDI-IMS, correct. So, Lou, you have had a-, a look at some things that you can't talk about, classified things. And that I imagine that if you could talk about them, that they could really change um, the views on the whole topic out there. Uh, that's that's me just speculating. Martin, um, they already uh, have. I haven't had to violate my my national security oath, and look how far we've come in four years. Yes, I mean, no, no, I mean, no. But let me let me just say this: the classified stuff, though, you could push it even further, is what I'm getting at. The things that you can't talk about seems like you could even you if you could talk about them. What I'm getting at is is this new task force going to have going to have access? to that information. Yeah, absolutely. It should. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's not doing its job. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Make sure the information that we had access to gets into the right hands. This Good. is why, look, okay. <laughs> I, 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 look, you don't, have a, you don't have a security clearance if you're not working you know, alongside the government in some capacity. I I've, I've, I make no bones about it. I, I hold a, a, a security clearance for a reason. And it's not a bad thing. You know, I know people look at it and say, oh, you're trying to obfuscate and keep the secret from us. No, I'm not. I'm actually trying to help you. If you just shut up and sit down for a second and let me do what I've been trying to do, you'll see that it's working. We're getting the information out of the stovepipes and the silos that it was it was stuck in and getting it now into the, into the bigger mechanism where it belongs and ultimately to Congress, which will ultimately give it back to the American people. So th- this has been the plan all along. I, and I... I I find it very frustrating that people don't see that. I mean, this isn't a coincidence that now we have the AIM office and now we have legislation and that we have briefings to Congress and that I'm in D.C. all the time. I mean, really? Op- open your eyes. It's kind of obvious what's happening here. And it's, it, I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing. I, I think we have to be very careful to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because someone has a security clearance doesn't mean they're trying to deceive you. There are a lot of people out there that have security clearances that are patriots that are every day trying to do the right thing, but we have to protect sources and methods. We have to, we have to, look, if I violated my national security oath, by the way, that oath is with the American people. I can't violate an oath to keep, I, I can't break a promise to keep a promise. It doesn't work that way. And right yeah. now it might be, you know, I feel good for instant gratification, but at the end of the day, it's not going to help. It's not going to help solve the problem. And I think if people were just to take a deep breath, for a second and see what's actually happening, people would realize, hey, you know what? It's okay. The machine is starting to, to work. Look, th- this is a huge, the U.S. government can be a really tough thing to get moving, right? Or, or, or worse, change course. Think of an aircraft carrier that's steaming along at 20 knots. You know, to try to turn one of these things can take miles and miles and miles. Or better yet, think of right. a, a yeah. train on a train track, right? You want to throw the lever and stop it. It's going to take a while. It doesn't stop instantly. You got a lot of mass, a lot of momentum moving forward. Well, we've got potentially 70 years of that momentum moving down the track in one direction. 
And now we have to turn the train around and come back the other direction. That doesn't happen overnight. It's happened in four years. We've come, we've come so far, and, and in large part because of the help of Gary and Chris Mellon and other folks out there that have been working tireless, tirelessly behind the scenes. And by the way, risking their ass to have this conversation with the American people. This isn't an easy conversation to have. Every word that I, every word that Gary says, someone is dissecting to make sure we don't overstep our bounds, and that's important to know. This is, this is, it's not easy, and it hasn't been done before. I think, I think we've come a long way, and I think if people just have a little bit more patience, they're going to see a lot of the fruits of that labor coming to fruition. You know, I think uh, what's interesting about this community is how deeply involved they are, which shows you that it's doing something, you know, uh, uh, you know, deep about their, I don't know, their consciousness, their, their view of the world. We know it's important to understand this, but I, I would, let's say, compare it to the work I do in, in cancer, where we'll have like a, a board of scientists, et cetera, but then we bring in what are called patient advocates, which are not scientists, but they're aware of the area and they're there to continually to keep us on track, to tell us, stop being high-ended intellectuals, talking only to yourselves or, and or talking down to us. But here's how it is that you can help us talk to the rest of the world. And here are our concerns. And, you know, just reading this comments as they flash by is the same thing. You know, when all of this is formally set up, we'll have to have patient advocates, public advocates who are there, who can help make sure that we're not fooling ourselves, that we're, we think we're telling people what they want to hear. And they tell us, oh, no, this is, you're not, that's no, sorry, that's not, that's not right. This is what you need to do, right? I don't mean a PR campaign. I mean, real people who want to understand and, and talk at the right level. And that's not talking down. That's just using the right words to explain something that, you know, scientists always say, if you can't explain it, then you probably don't understand it. If you can't explain it to your grandmother, then you probably don't understand it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, I, it, it's just been brought to my attention that former United States Navy Admiral Bobby Ray Inman is being interviewed tonight, uh, possibly about UAP, do either one of you know about that? Or, and if so, what would be the significance of that? I, I am aware of it. Uh, I'm certainly not going to speak for the good admiral. Um, I have no idea what he's going to say. And I suspect whatever he says, uh, you know, is, is, is from his perspective. Um, you know, he did, he did have a, a very, he had a stellar career. Um, so, you know, there's 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 a lot of folks out there, I think, that are starting to have have the conversation. I have no idea what what he's going to say. And I honestly I wouldn't uh, I, I wouldn't propose to even even guess he, he's an admiral and obviously entitled to to his own opinion. Right. Uh, Gary, do you need to um, I, when we spoke before, you said that you had to run right at right at four. You had another appointment. Is it still your mic's off, Gary? <laughs> yeah, I have until 10 after its faculty meeting and we actually get dinged. Uh, for not okay. showing up. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Gary, I want to thank you very, very much. It's It's been a, a, a real pleasure, real honor to have you on. It's been great. Thanks so much. Gary, right. take care, my okay. friend. See you soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Yes, sir.
Take care. All right. All right. So uh, it's just you and me against the world, Lou. So <laughs> um, well, something I think we're I'm certainly kind of used to at this point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so, Lou, now that I have you one on one, you know, I have uh, I have a, a lot of questions for you. But one of the things um, I. I know you're you know, I've had a lot of talks uh, before I even talked to you. Uh, Alejandro is a really good friend of mine and he you and him had connected early on. And uh, good man, you know, good man. Him and, and, and his wife, Karen, good people. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. But um, um, you take a lot of this to heart and you're being attacked a lot. One of the things I just want to ask you is, do you ever feel like just throwing in the towel and say, screw all these people? I mean, sure, Martin, I'm, I'm human. You know, look, I'll, I'll share with yeah. you. Uh, it, I've had a lot of attacks after me. Um, but in fairness, in 2014, I was put on the ISIS Al-Qaeda kill list. So um, unless you're ISIS or Al-Qaeda, you don't make me nervous. Uh, that's just the bottom line. Um, it's a lot of talk and, and, and BS from people out there. I do what I do because because I feel it's it's important. And I'm still committed to the American people. What is tough is that when my wife or my children happen to see the vitriol online, that's when it gets tough because they come up to me and say, but daddy, these people are saying this and you're not that way. And they say, why, why can't you defend yourself? I said, well, sweetheart, because I can't, because that starts a cycle. There are some people out yes. there that are, that, that really are, they have issues, deep psychological issues that they need help. And I don't want to make that issue worse for them. But at the same time, I also, you know, I, I'm only going to get kicked in the teeth a few, you know, so many times. And then I'm going to say, look, you're on your own. And so what you see now is a, as I've said before, and this is one of my last few podcasts for a while, very long while, because Martin, honestly, What's that? I'm um, sorry. I, oh. this is probably going to be one of my last, last interviews for, for some time, because I've done what I can in the public sector. Um, my my talents lie working within the oh. the, the okay. channels of the U.S. government, and um, for for me, um, the 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 vitriol and the hate that I see online isn't worth it. And not only that, they, they attack me, but but they attack other people that are trying to have this conversation as well. Uh, and not only do they attack, but but they make things up. I've got I've got hack journalists that that call themselves journalists who you know, really aren't real journalists that are literally making things up in their headlines. They say things that are salacious because it's clickbait. And we now live in this, yeah. this, this paradigm where everything is about, you know, some sort of, of, of splashy headline for a click because that equals monetization. It equals money, right? I could get more money yeah. for Google ads or I can get more people to pay attention to my thing. And it's, it's this, it becomes a self-licking ice cream cone where people just, kind of tune in and they're not really interested in real information anymore. They, they, they want controversy. And I, I, I don't like partaking in that. I never have been. I never will. There's a reason why I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, uh, with my four German shepherds. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that guy. Uh, you know, you want to watch reality shows and, and, and stuff like that, be my guest, but I, I've got other things to do. And um, I, I think Engaging the public is, is very important. It's one of our, our five tenant pillars of engagement that we've discussed many, many times before. Uh, but I, I think there's enough people now. I, I hate to say this, but I think mission accomplishment. 
look, we, we've had disclosure, right? You had ex-directors of CIA and the director of national intelligence and presidents now all coming out saying it's real. You got what you wanted. You got, you got your disclosure. So, so anything that I need to do, I can still do behind the scenes without having to, to deal with the, the, the garbage that I see now on social media. A couple of days ago, and I won't say with, with what outlet, I was, I was absolutely dumbfounded to see the level of unprofessional discussion that was occurring in the chat room. Look, you don't like me, fine. You don't like my beard. You think, whatever, I got a funny goatee or I'm fat or I'm short or whatever. <laughs> whatever, fine. But when, when, you start, when you start picking apart people and making things up that aren't real, it is a distraction and it is a disservice for the rest of the people in the UFO community. So if I can be a better service by getting out of the public spotlight and continuing doing what I'm doing behind the scenes for the purpose of disclosure, I'm happy to do that. And I think we're at a point now where maybe, maybe that's, that's where we are. Um, you know, obviously I'm very frustrated by the, by the baseless attacks that occur. Um, you know, we, we have to do a better job policing ourselves. We really do because this, this topic has been relegated to the shadows and, and, you know, relegated to tinfoil hats for a reason, because the community hasn't done a very good job of policing itself and all the hucksters and fraudsters out there that are charging you money to go do things and have an experience, right? Turns out that, you know, they're paying somebody to, to do something illegal to defraud you. Where, where's the outcry? Where's the outrage, right? Where, where, where are people coming up and saying, that's a load of crap. You're taking advantage of people. You're lying to people. You know, I get I get called, for example, on a continuing basis, a grifter. First of all, to be a grifter, you have to take money. Let me ask you something, Martin. How much are you paying me to be on your show? How much are you um, paying me? <laughs> you're, That's a question. Yeah. Be honest. Yeah. How much are oh, you zero, paying me? As far as I, I know, you have you are not ever charged anyone to be on anyone's show. No one okay. I don't know another podcaster. I've only had to pay one person. <laughs> in 10 years and it was just because the guy needed money and he didn't want to be on the show you know how much i made for for history channels unidentified enough to buy a fancy lawnmower after two years by the way of our own material our own work two years enough to buy a fancy lawnmower okay so guess what yeah that's the misconception yeah i lived in a trailer with my wife for for two years had to dig my own black water tank right? A few feet from our RV to do this. You know, I actually had a pretty damn good career. I was pretty senior and I did it all because I thought it was important for the American people. And I still feel that way. But if I can continue doing this mission without the distraction of, of the social media and, and whatnot, I, you know, may, maybe I can do more good from the shadows instead of, you know, on stage. I'm, Frankly, I've never been a spotlight kind of guy anyways. I can't stand it. Never have liked it. Well, well, uh, I hope you don't. I hope you don't go into the shadows. I, I really love what you have been doing. And uh, I, I know you know what came to light is uh, your resignation letter was brought up uh, recently and uh, through a foyer. And you spell it out perfectly and the reason why you resigned. And it's because you were frustrated, just like you said you were. Um, and that came out and um, you must have felt vindicated when, you know, these people that were saying, oh, you know, that was a, his resignation was a bunch of hogwash or whatever. And it clearly shows in your resignation letter why you resigned. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, I, I left a damn good career behind. I was, I, I parked in the same parking lot as secretary of defense. I walked through the river entrance every single day and I had armed guards saluting me because of, of my, of my, my position and what I, what I've done for my country. Um, but, you know, so, let's not forget, I, I'm still on the same mission. It, it turned out, ironically, I had to leave the very department that I loved to finish the mission that they gave me in the first place. But I didn't ask for it. They gave it to me. And there was a, there was a, a dysfunction in the bureaucracy that needed to be addressed. And until that, that dysfunction is addressed, then I've, I've, you know, I've, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I think we're well on our way. I think a lot has happened in the last four years. I got to give major, major thanks and kudos to to our, our 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 brave people in Congress that have decided to pick up the torch and 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 force necessary change. We still got a ways to go, but you know we've we've come pretty far. But going back to your question, can I look back and be satisfied or vindicated? I haven't had time for that. I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't looked back and said, "Wow, look how much I've accomplished." I'm not that kind of guy. Never happened. Anybody who's worked with me I always know I'm a mission oriented guy. Um, I've never had the privilege to just sit back and say, wow, look, look what I've been able to accomplish simply because first of all, I didn't accomplish it by myself. I accomplished it with a lot of other people's help. And two, the mission isn't over, you know, maybe some point, you know, in the future, I'll have that, that privilege to do so. But, but that hasn't occurred yet for me. I haven't had that ability, that luxury to sit back on, on my, my laurels and say, you know, wow, look, look what I've achieved because there's, you know, there's still another battlefield that that we have to to engage in um, before before that yeah. can occur for me. Yeah. Question here: Someone wanted to know if the DOD is going to classify everything going forward. Will this affect the public reports? Yeah, they're going to try, but we're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, you can That's you good. can yeah you can you can do that a few times, and then after a while. Um, you know, that, that doesn't work anymore. So we're, we're, we're working on that um, to make sure that's not the case. I, I'm not going to say right now what we're doing to make sure that doesn't happen, but, but I'm fairly confident that that, that argument is not going to stand um, like it did before. When you say that we're working on it, does that mean that you are working, you maybe and you and Chris are, are, are working with is there a liaison between the two of you, you know, between the groups? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, that we're, we're working pretty hard at championing this cause and, and continuing the, the transparency. You know, Chris has put out some, some op-eds recently that have been very, very pointed. I have too. Uh, we're having conversations in Washington, DC. We're there every, every month. Uh, I got to be back there again really? next yeah. week. Great. Yeah. I mean, Great. Yeah. yeah. I'm not just sitting back in Wyoming, man, and, and you know, <laughs> cooling my heels and, and getting on social media. That's that's not yeah. what we're doing. We're we're working, man. We're actually we're actually doing this full time. And it's not just DC. It's working with our international partners and allies. It's working with, with other organizations, as Gary said, private sector and working with the academic community, the scientific community, you know, on and on and on and on. Um it's it's there there's a lot to this topic if we wanna if we want to if we want to reach the finish line. Right. Uh, you mentioned, I don't know, maybe I want to say it was four or five months ago, maybe longer 
that there we should be looking for about a 23 minute very clear video um any update on that yeah uh, let, let me let me tell you what i what i can tell you is that there's a set, uh, there's a, a 23 minute video that's very compelling uh it's very clear it's taken from a very sophisticated platform i cannot say the platform or the circumstances in which it was taken uh because we have to protect sources and methods um, but the video itself should at some point be able to to be released. Now, let's not forget that the Pentagon recently last year said they deleted all my emails and all my files, right? Which is, of course, a load of baloney because that doesn't really happen. In real life, there's always backup servers and there's more information. And by the way, there's recipients to these emails, uh, which, by the way, some of this stuff is going to be discussed in my book. I, there's there's going to be information that people are going to say, holy cow, whoa, what? Are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> smoking gun. Um, you know, a lot of this is is going to be explored. Um, I, I want to provide people the definitive proof that they're looking for. The problem is, again, I cannot violate my non-disclosure agreement. But know that there is a 23-minute video out there that's very, very interesting, very compelling. And what it shows is, is an object clearly that, isn't anything that that we have it's, it's not ours and it's doing things that frankly we can't do uh, but that's not the only one there's a lot of videos i mean there's there's brother there's a lot of videos coming out i mean this last year alone uh, you know there's some organizations in the u.s government that had the, the privilege to see some <laughs> for pretty high fidelity stuff um you know it's not just some grainy you know video that that people are used to seeing uh, but that's not for me to 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 provide or reveal or or discuss at this point. Um, I think um, you know in time that's that's the job of Congress to make sure that look Congress has mandated that an unclassified report is due to them. It's law. So if they don't, someone is breaking the law, and and they will be held. So let's see what videos are provided. Right? Let's see what videos can come out and what what the American people can see for themselves and say. You're right. That's, uh, you know, that's that's interesting. That's unusual. That's that's wow. Holy cow. Now, there's some supposedly some very, very clear UAP images that are classified. Um, that was in a briefing. Um, do you th in your opinion, do you think people will believe in images because. I mean, if they're so easily faked and CGI and. You know, I mean, it, yeah, you're not going to do that in the government. The last thing you're going to do is is take take information from a, you know, hyperspectral platform uh, in I low see. Earth orbit and try to to spoof that and give that to Congress. That that's that's not a good idea. So you're saying these are chain of command will be all over your ass if you even try to do something like that. So I I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, one can, like I said, get just into one of the, the communities of interest that we have. On uh, on the classified networks and see that there's a lot of analysts right now that are by the way they're looking at this with a really critical eye and if someone tries to pull that crap you know the, these are the first folks men and women that are going to say cry foul and say you know that's 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 fake yeah I, I think you misunderstood my question a little bit um, but uh, because I understand that they're going to be careful about their sources but what I'm what I meant by that question is would the public you know the public uh, the people out there, uh, the average public that may not look into this topic really seriously, whatever, then they would just say, oh, that's a fake. You know, I mean, it's, they're so easy to fake. 
would they believe the government? I guess that's uh, that's the question I have. Well, look, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Most people don't don't even believe their own spouses, right? Let alone the government or anything else. I mean, I, <laughs> that's human psychology. I I, I don't I, I can't answer that. I you know all I can tell people is look from day one, I've been always fair and honest with you, and and so. If there's if the track record's there, do you believe what you want to believe? You're an adult. You can do whatever the hell you want to do. Uh, but you know what? It goes both ways. I can do whatever the hell I want to do. And I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. And I think rational minded people see that 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 we're we're, we're achieving something. We're, we're, we're making a, a significant difference in this topic uh, than we have in the last 70 years that that Congress is taking it seriously. The intelligence community is taking it seriously. A lot of DOD is taking it seriously. And, and soon, some people on your very audience who may be working in some sort of agency outside of the U.S. government may be brought into this and say, holy crap, you know, Lou is right. Look, I just got asked to, to look at this radar data. I happened to work for FAA, and there was some sort of UAP encounter, and, and you know, now they're actually asking me my opinion on it. Um, I, I, think it's, I think it's happening. I, I think we're I, – I do not – I cannot tell you what the average American is going to think. Um, if the UFO community uh, is a litmus test, I think we're in big trouble. Um, the good news is that we have some people in the UFO community that are that are serious. Uh, but again, as I said before, hey, brother, there's a lot of charlatans. There's a lot of hucksters out there that want your money and they want it yeah. back and they will do whatever they can uh, to 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 take it and keep this conversation out of the the mainstream. They, they want it fringe because then they can control it, right? Because then they have their little echo chamber and they've got a little source of revenue and they continue fooling the people. Um, we're not about that. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're bringing this topic mainstream, whether people like it or not, and, and allow the American people to, to decide for themselves if this is going to be a priority for them. As far as the UFO community, I've said this before. Look, my target audience, no, no offense, isn't the UFO community. It's the 99.9% of other fair, rational-minded human beings that have never even really considered this topic before. That's who my target audience is because I'm not going to convince somebody of anything that has some preconceived notion that the reptilians are here from Zeta Reticuli to control our souls. I don't know what to do with that. I mean, it's up to you. Fine. You want to believe that? Cool. But that's not my focus. My focus is, is, is more on the here and now, nuts and bolts, no preconceived notion, we're finally at a point we've realized the reality of this topic. Let's start asking the hard questions about it. And, and again, no offense to anybody out there who may be, you know, they, they may feel a certain way, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what I feel. What matters is what we, what we know, what does the data suggest? And that is what's going to finally shed light on this incredible enigma that we call the topic of UAPs or, or UFOs. And again, if it was up to me, I, again, I'm, I'm, look, I'm going to say it. And it's going to piss people off. If it was up to me, I would obliterate the, U, the, the UFO community, the ufology into a million, billion pieces, hoping that what comes back together is a coalescence of fair-minded, rational-minded people that want to look at this topic scientifically and re really figure this out without any preconceived notions or narratives or windows or anything like that. Let's 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 do a reboot. Let's do a hard reboot on this and let's look at this for for what it is. And let's try to remove any type of of of, you know, pre narrative that we've had from, you know, from the past. Uh, and by the way, it may turn out that they're right. 
Okay. So I'm not saying that it's not, and it could turn out that, Hey, what these people who have this theory turn out to be, you know what? Your theory happened to be right after all along, but we've got to approach it scientifically. We've got to let the facts speak for themselves. We've got to let the data speak for itself. Stop listening to a bunch of talking heads that are getting up there saying, I've had this download. And I know exactly what all this is about. No, you don't. You think you do. That's fine. I respect that. But don't tell me that you have the answer because I'm not sure anybody has the full answers right now. And that may be one of the reasons why the government's been keeping this so secret, because even the government doesn't have all the answers and it doesn't want to admit it doesn't have all the answers. So, you know, that's that's my two cents anyways, maybe three cents. Okay, I have a, I have a kind of a, a long question, kind of a, it's hard for me to even read a question like this, but uh, you, you may understand it. I, I don't understand it so well with all these acronyms. How did it happen that within only a few months of Bigelow Airspace, B-A-A-S-S, getting the A-SWAP, the A-A-W-S-A-P contract, um, O-U-S-D slash I, had become such an issue that Harry Reid was suddenly trying to get the SAP established with a bigot list. Do you understand that question? I, I do. So I, I look, I can't talk definitively on the OSAP program. You're referring to a program that was run by uh, Dr. Jim Lukatsky from the Depart- uh, DIA Defense Intelligence Agency and won the co- and Bigelow Aerospace won the contract for the OSAP program. Uh, I was brought in really on the tail end of that. Most of my focus was the ATIP, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program portfolio. Um, but there were some there were some forces within OUSDI and DIA, to be fair, that were diametrically opposed to this topic. They felt that it 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 contradicted or challenged their preconceived notions of theology. Uh, there was a, a theological objection to this. I'm not going to go into detail unless you, you want me to. Uh, but they felt that it, it did not comport to their ideas of Judeo-Christian values, and therefore they tried to kill it. Um, that, that is an absolute matter of fact. Um, I, I, I witnessed it. I saw it. I had people come up to me and, and have very frank conversations uh, with me about that topic. Could you say whether you were the person that um, interviewed Alex Dietrich back in September 2017 or not? Can you say whether you were or not? A lot of people interviewed Alex Dietrich. Alex Dietrich's an American hero. Uh, I had the honor and privilege to speak with her multiple times. Uh, I'm not going to discuss specific uh, efforts that I may have been involved in when I was uh, a U.S. government employee. That would not be uh, that would not be prudent. Uh, and I would let Alex Dietrich speak for herself if she wants to answer that question. She certainly can. Um, I'll tell you, she represents the best of the best of our country. She is absolutely incredible. Uh, not only is yes. she an incredible patriot and a hero, she's also an incredible mother and 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 wife and citizen and everything else. And uh, we are we are damn lucky to have her uh, on our side. Uh, I'll just say that. I was so happy when she decided to speak out because she was anonymous previously and then when i when she finally all we knew it was that it was someone like one of their first runs right i wasn't it one of her first missions or something like that when this thing happened can you imagine yeah <laughs> and time. you know she'll she, yeah. she'll 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 tell you you know verbatim i mean i it's i'm waiting for somebody to ask her or dave fravor or you know one of the e2 hawkeye operators hey you know how'd you first meet lou uh you know, 
that, that'd be pretty interesting. Someone should probably ask that question at some point. And when did you actually first hear from Chris? Chris was on the show back in 2015 when he first started um, really getting into the, the topic uh, publicly. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> Chris was a little sore with me <laughs> when uh, when uh, he first finally got right on when I was uh, at, the, at the Pentagon, we got right onto the program uh, uh, because he had spent, I guess, some time saying publicly that, uh, you know, he wasn't aware of any, any UFO program within the government. And of course now he's, he's, he's talking to my office and he's kind of like, well, sh shoot, <laughs> you know, here it is this whole time that there was a program and, you know, now I got to kind of go back and uh, figure out how to have this conversation. Uh, but it, but it, in seriousness, Chris has been instrumental um, in, in having this conversation where it is today, getting the right people to listen uh, in Congress, uh, we would absolutely not be here today having this conversation if it wasn't for Chris Mellon. Chris Mellon is by far single-handedly one of the most important people uh, that we could give credit to for having this conversation. People want to say, oh, Lou, but you're the one who came out. But yeah, but you know what? Chris was really the one who, who understood how to have this conversation. And so if there's anybody that that needs to be thanked for for us being where we are today in the conversation, it's it. Chris Mellon is definitely at the top of the list for sure. Yeah. Uh, someone's saying you're a real hero here. Lots of hearts and everything and that you moved to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Was there a reason for this? Uh, it's, yeah. beautiful <laughs> where you're at. it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I don't like people, man. I mean, <laughs> It's you know it, I love humanity. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, uh, a lot of it's for privacy. You know, I, I shared with you for the first time uh, publicly that I was I was put on a on a terrorist naughty list uh, some time ago. That's never a fun thing to be on. You know, it, that's uh, you, you never get off that list. You know, you kind of hope that someone else becomes more important than you. Um, so you know, hopefully you move to the bottom of the list, but. Uh, it hasn't, it hasn't been easy. And, you know, I've had, even since now being doing this, I've had, you know, some people try to try to threaten me, um, you know, because they don't, they don't like my message. Um, so we live where we live because of the privacy. Uh, the people are amazing out, out here in Wyoming. Uh, they're, they're just incredible. Um, very humble, hardworking. Uh, I've lived all over the world, as, as you probably know. Uh, metro, major metropolitan areas, lived in Washington D.C. and you know, South America, and the Middle East, and Asia, and everywhere else. Um, you know, Wyoming for me is is a place that I can um, I can declutter. If, if I'm going to continue this work that I'm doing now, Wyoming offers me some sort of refuge, if that makes sense. Um, where I can just be me. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody gives, nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn, uh, you know, out there, your, 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 your respect is, is based on whether or not you drive a diesel truck or you know, a four by four. Um, nobody really cares much beyond that. Um, now of course I'm being silly, but, but in reality, it's just, it's a beautiful place. And, and right. with, with a lot of the craziness going on right now in the world, uh, you know, it's, it's the only place that, that just seems sane for me right now. I had so many questions about that conflict and uh, a lot of people wanted to know, you know, um, 
questions that I normally wouldn't ask, but there were a lot of people that were relating the conflict in Ukraine with, you know, like, uh, are people seeing any UAPs? And I actually think that that in particular is a good question because there seems to be, you know, during wartime that there are a lot of UFOs seen, you know, there always has been. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we're certainly looking at that. You know, we have to be careful. There were, you know, let me go back to, to real scenarios that are during the American Revolution uh, to keep the spirit of the troops up uh, later on after the American Revolution and into the War of 1812 and, and whatnot. There were stories of, of George Washington's ghosts coming and, and riding through the forest and, and through the snow to rally the morale of the troops. Uh, we have to make sure that when we're talking about whether it's Ukraine or any other type of, of global conflict, that we recognize the difference between, you know, a, a real potential UAP incident and something that's there as some sort of propaganda. And I don't mean in a bad way, but there was some discussion recently that some sort of lights occurred in the sky and the clouds and the next morning a bunch of Russian tanks were, were destroyed. Oh, yes. You know, the question is, that. was yeah. that a, yeah, yeah right. right. Was that a UAP incident? Was it a miracle from God or was it just some sort of advanced military technology? Right. We don't really yeah. know. And we have to be really careful ascribing a, a source to something if 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 we're not sure. Um, it's interesting. It's anecdotal. But without the hard, hard evidence, it's it's just that it's just another story. Uh, and again, I'm not saying I, I, I'm not paying attention to it because we are, but we have to be really careful jumping to any type of conclusion. We just we just don't know yet. Yes, I believe I heard a Ukraine soldier describe and then it was um, translated or something with what he, he said. Lightning came down from a spaceship or something like that. I think he's I think I saw that. But I, I was thinking that might be something that was a hoax or something. I have no idea where the source was. I tried to find the source. Um, for that, uh, what about Look, your book? The Let's people start... in Ukraine, Go ahead. The, the, yeah. the people in Ukraine are very desperate, and and right now they're yes. looking for anything to to give them a shot of morale and a boost. Um, they have True. been left high and dry, and I'm not going to get political yeah. here. But what's happening in Ukraine is 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 awful. Just like it is the way we left Afghanistan. Again, not being political here, but. But it's there are people suffering right now, women and children and, and civilians, elderly. They didn't ask for this and, and they're being yes. slaughtered on the streets. And so people are desperate for a good news story. They're desperate for something to see the underdog finally win. And I get it. And and yeah. especially in times like this, it's always. It, you know, it, it keeps us hopeful that maybe there is some sort of you know, divine intervention here, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. you know, and so I get it. Uh, I, I, I would hope that's the case, but I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. If there was ever a time for one person to get abducted, <laughs> it would be now, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I have a, a short list. <laughs> if I can submit my, submit my request. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, funny. Uh, you're you were going to be. I, I think I had you scheduled at one time. You were going to be. I think it was. I want to say December thirteenth or something like that. And then um, your wonderful wife contacted me and said, "Oh, Lou's writing a book." And uh, I know you went over to England and and you were over there and you were really working hard in the book. And 
And uh, then she wrote me a while back and says, hey, guess what? We're ready, you know, if you want to want Lou in the show. So I was thrilled to have you tonight. But can you talk about your book? What 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 can you say about your book? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short because, you know, people will choose me of plugging my book. Look, you don't want to read it. Don't read it. No, no, I'm asking you. You never said. No, no, no. Understood, Martin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but let me let me let me just address yeah. to folks in the audience who may think that this is some sort of cash grab because it's not. I'm writing the book for a very specific reason. And there's actually two very specific reasons that will become apparent when the book comes out. And people are going to say, oh, man, that's Sly Devil. He, now we get it. OK. And by the way, it's part of disclosure. But it's also an opportunity for me to 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 speak about my experiences without having to do five minute sound bites. Right. Or, or having to. Here's a chance to say, for the record, here's what happened. You're welcome to read it. So it's, it's actually twofold why I'm reading the book and why I'm writing the book. Um, again, if people out there don't want to read it, don't read it. I don't care. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this book for me, not anybody else. I'm writing this book. So it will it will be it will be a definitive understanding of what the program was about. Um, and, um, you know, that's 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 the way it is. Um, I, I can I can say a lot more in a book than I can in a one hour or a half hour or a five minute interview. Um, and by the way, my mm-hmm. hope is that at some point in, in the future, 70 years from now, I don't want the government going back and trying to put the genie back in the bottle. What I want to happen is that, okay, here's the truth. Here's what happened. Here's, here is the facts as we know it up to today. There's no going back. You may want to slow disclosure down if you're the government. That's on you. But you'll never be able to go put the genie back in the bottle because this book is going to lay out the facts. And so you'll never be able to go retroactively behind that and try to pretend it never happened because it did happen. And so that's one of the main reasons why I'm writing the book. There's another very practical reason. Again, it will be apparent once the book comes out. I am not going to have that conversation right now because I do not want to 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 give that away. Um, I think I think people will be very appreciative when that book comes out. They will understand. They're going to say, ah, okay, you know. This is this mm-hmm. makes sense. We understand. Any idea about when it's going to be out? Man, I'm working on it like a dog. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, I tell people, look at me. I, I was I used to be six foot four, long blonde hair before I started this. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm only 27. Look at me. Um, it's yeah. um, you know, I've I, I, I've made a lot of progress. We'll just say that I've made a lot of progress. Uh, it's. Um, it, it's moving along uh, on schedule as as I would expect it to to go. It is one of my top priorities. You know, one of the things I've, I've never talked with you about in the past is um, have you looked at other cases? For instance, a, a lot of times on this show, I'll, I'll say what I think is the most remarkable case of all is the Ariel school incident that happened in 1994. I don't know if you've ever looked into that or anything, you know, that yeah. is, uh, have you looked well, into think, that I in think, particular? I, yeah. I don't think that story is being, is finished being told yet. I think when you find out the significance of that school uh, and the rest of the story, I think people are going to say, holy smokes. Yeah. Well, Randy Nickerson, a friend of mine, uh, I have not, uh, he's kind of gone quiet for quite a while, but he has he has made a wonderful film about it, and he worked for, I think, over 10 years on it. The film's been in the can for about a year now, and we're waiting for where it – there was uh, there was a rumor that it was going out on Netflix, and that 
is not going to happen. So I, I, I just have no idea. But when that comes out, you're going to see a remarkable film. I will tell you that whenever that comes out. I think you're going to be, people are going to, there, there's a piece of that puzzle that hasn't come out yet. And people are going to go, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's what I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And I, I've had about four or five different uh, witnesses on the show that um, of that. And it's just, it's just, it's just remarkable. One of the things uh, that comes up a lot on these shows, and it's a question I often ask, what, what is your, and someone asked it more or less right here when Gary was with us, what is your best assessment on what the phenomenon is? Do you have an opinion? Well, I think we first need to figure out what it isn't. Um, you know, we have to be very careful because there's a lot of options of what it could be. Um, and so let's mm-hmm. let's figure out what it is first. Um, I've said before, it could be all sorts of stuff. It could be uh, something from a from a different place, a different different planet. Could be something that's as normal as we are, been from been, been on this planet as long as we have, and and we're just now at a point where we can interact with it. It could be something that is not even from another place. Uh, could be uh, you know from 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 something else, perhaps. Uh, and, and I hate using the word dimension because people get all, you know, weird about it to get all, you know, I hate to use the term woo, but we now know through science, there are other dimensions. You know, time is a dimension. Okay. So that's it. You have three dimensional space, X, Y, Z, and axis, and then you have time as, a, as a, another dimension, but there's other dimensions as well. And it's hard for us to conceptualize because we live in a three dimensional world. Um, but there's other dimensions. Let me, let me give, I guess, probably a, a I won't digress too long here, but people say, well, how, how do you envision another dimension? Well, okay, I'm having this conversation with you right now, and I have three dimensions I can operate. I can go forward, backwards, left or right, or up and down. And within that, I can navigate within a three-dimensional space. But imagine if you could shrink and you could get smaller and just pull in. You're not going up or down, left or right. You're actually going in. Well, that's another dimension. That's another example of what it would be like if you could go into another dimension it is a dimension we can't experience it because we are flesh and blood and you can't really shrink yourself but but that's an example right getting into the very very small um so we, we know that there's other dimensions. we see it in in, in 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 physics models all the time quantum physics uh string theory and these other these other um ideas in in science so uh you know a lot of scientists have have, have even discussed possibly the notion of gravity the reason why it's so weak is because it actually exists much stronger in, a, in another dimension. We're getting this, right. this leeching yeah. or bleeding effect. And so, you know, it's it's not that hard to say, well, you know, it may not even be some, the phenomena may not even be related to, to another planet. It could be another dimension of some sort. And again, I want to be careful not to, to sound too, too woo here right now. We're just having a, a mental exercise, you and I and, and your audience, but but there's a lot of possibilities and we got to be careful that we don't just artificially uh, or prematurely uh, negate one and say, well, that sounds silly. All options really have to be on the table until they're not on the table. anymore. Yes. Um, since I started the show, I remember, I think it's even on this, on my website somewhere. Well, I'll say that the government probably knows more about it than we do, but they probably don't know what it is. And that I wrote that back in 2011. <laughs> I think that's so. a fair assessment. I think I think yeah. you're right. 
and that's therein lies part of the rub, part of the problem, right? Because we pay our we pay our, we pay our government to have answers, and in some cases they they don't. Yep. Here's a here's something I've always uh, thought uh, this question came in. I forget how. I think it was Twitter. Do you believe that there's some truth in the theory that the government has possibly worked with some people in Hollywood to inject into some movies and TV some real life UFO information to get the public into a mindset uh, kind of accepting the future of of what uh, we may find out when it comes to UFOs? Well, I think it's it's certainly a possibility. You know, Hollywood has a long-standing relationship with the U.S. government, always has. Whether it's in time of war or not, um, you will see a cooperation between Hollywood and the U.S. government. A lot of times when people watch a movie uh, and they see a big aircraft carrier, which, you know, a big bunch of planes like Top Gun, where do you think they're getting those planes from? Well, they're getting them from the U.S. government. The government is allowing them to film on aircraft carriers and, and U.S. equities, military equities, Um and there's a kind of a, a bit of a, a quid pro quo where they say, look, you make a, a good movie and, and show the Department of Defense in a, a bright, good light or the Navy or the Army. And, you know, we'll 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 kick in some some equipment for you to film and, and whatnot. Um, that's that relationship has been around a long time. In fact, if you go down uh, the E corridor of the Pentagon, uh, you go through the main entrance of the Pentagon where the visitors go and then go down and turn right. Uh, and go down the public affairs uh, corridor where the PAO office is, you will see a lot of Hollywood posters up there. And you will see a lot of pictures with Hollywood stars and whatnot. Uh, the USO is a prime example where we have a, an existing relationship with Hollywood where we work with them. Now, um, let's go back to your question about UFOs or UAPs in this particular case. I was absolutely dumbfounded the first time I saw the movie uh, close encounters of a third kind. And let me preface this. I saw it. I, I never saw it before I got into A-10. It, it was, it was well, well later. In fact, my, my wife had right. She's a fan of, of, uh, Steven Spielberg. And she said, you need to watch this movie. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to watch a you know, alien UFO movie. That's the last thing I want to do. I want to relax. Right. And she's like, no, 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 you, you, you really need to see this. And I was dumbfounded on on some of the performance characteristics and descriptions of some of these craft because they were like right out of an ATIP book. Couldn't believe it. And it turns out that Jacques Vallée and a few others and Alec Heine, as we know, Heineck um, were were providing uh, Steven Spielberg, um, if you will, the 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 requisite or, or necessary advice and assistance to make that movie. But when you see these objects going up and then doing right angle turns, or you see them splitting off into a, into three, three different uh, formation of like a, like a triangle. Um, you see the descriptions of the size and the shape. And in some cases, the sound and the biological effects where Richard Dreyfuss now has this half sunburn. Um, that is really accurate. You know, so, someone was talking to Steven Spielberg who definitely had some inside information on the topic for sure. And, and beyond just an enthusiast or just beyond a hobbyist, because there was, if you know what you're looking for, you know, there were some, some pretty significant classified reports that were substantiating what you, what you see in this, in this Hollywood movie. That must've been really something else um, when you were watching that with what you knew at the time, the revelations. Uh, now, have you ever seen anything that you can talk about that had anything to do with time manipulation that seems to come up quite a bit in people I talk to the possibility of it. 
Yeah, we're we we're exploring that. We we have to be very careful with that because we we right now don't even understand time very well. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so, you know what 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 is time? Uh, we we tend to ex- experience it in a linear fashion, but in reality, times times a little more complicated than that. And there have been. Uh, I, I want to be really careful what I say because there's some individuals I still have to protect their identities. But there was some very compelling information that was provided to us while we were in ATIP that led us to believe that that the way we perceive time um, may not necessarily be universal. That uh, if you get close to a particular technology, um, the way you experience time is relative, uh, and and that's about all I'm prepared to go into right now. Uh, it is it is important. Uh, it is um, it is certainly a. a, a an aspect of this topic uh, that should not be ignored and, and people are, are, are looking into it. There's a lot of theories out there that explain um, why people may perceive time differently and experience time differently. Um, but we'll just have to wait and, and see. Yeah. I mean, that, that could also be part of travel too. I mean, the space time, you know, uh, and all that. Uh, here's a, I, maybe you'll understand this one. How did Jay Stratton obtain the videos directly from the fleet or squadron, squadron then pass them along to Navy Air or Nava Air? I am not that question. I know exactly what you mean by that. I, I'm not at liberty okay. to discuss uh, anything involving Mr. Stratton, just like I did not involve uh, have any discussion previously about uh, Jim Lekatsky. I kept his his identity uh, private and for for a long time confidential because he asked me to until he decided to come out publicly. Uh, I am certainly not going to speak on behalf of Mr. Stratton or what his role was, uh, uh, or if any, in this effort. Um, that's for him to have that conversation. Um, great question, but um, I'm, I'm not prepared to, to, to answer that question at this time. I, I don't, I, I simply, I, I haven't been given any permission to, to and out of due respect for, for him as a colleague, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect that. Okay. The thing that comes up a lot when people are asking you the question is, I know you mentioned or someone, I think you were on some news channel, maybe with Tucker Carlson or something, and he was trying to get out of you um, about crash retrieval. Um, You probably all said as much as you can say about that. Is that, is that right at this point? Um, Yeah, that's true. Let me see if I can be as, as, as clear as possible. I am not at liberty to discuss any details involving alleged uh, crash retrieval. Um, And I I have to honor that and I have to respect that. Sure. Okay. Um, So here's a question here. I can actually pull this one up. Um, If you, let's say you could change some type of law, (laughs) we'd all like to do that, but what laws would be more effective to uh, disclosure process? I would offer immediate amnesty uh, for a period of six months to a year to anybody involved in legacy efforts to come forward and begin having this conversation now. In fact, yesterday uh, with the uh, with the task force, uh, well, well, with replacement and, and some of my colleagues in, in Washington and also to Congress, members of Congress. I would offer them some sort of amnesty to say, look, um, you have a short window to to tell us what you know and what you learned. Uh, in turn, we will continue to protect the information. We'll continue to protect you. Um, but um, there's a shelf life. 
And if a year from now you don't take us up on that and I find out you've been hiding information, we're coming after you. You're, you're going to have some, some, some serious explaining to do um, and, and potentially be prosecuted. So that's, that's what I would do if, if I had an opportunity. And then maybe another thing is, um, it depends what happens here this year, do open hearings with Congress. Let, let the American mm. people know. Bring it out and say, okay, all you people who have non-disclosure agreements right now, no mas, you are hereby allowed to have this conversation with us and the American people and cut us loose. Wouldn't that be something? That would, that would certainly really move forward. Uh, so this question also, uh, you know, you think of if there's possible crash data. I mean, again, if you know something about this, is can I just say, are there rumors that there's biological data out there? Look, you saw in the law, right? Biological effects. Uh, need I say more? Um, I, I, I cannot go into any details any more than I already yeah. have. Uh, yeah. But, you know, hey, look, it's kind of obvious, right? It's in the law. Biological effects, uh, you know, what does that tell you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also yeah. about, and all, by the way, also about material, right? And, and getting a quick reaction force, the QRF team to, to go out and, and, and collect stuff. That's, that's in the law. So that's not Lou Elizondo telling you that's, 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 that's a law. Okay. It said that you're getting really, really, this is another question up there. You're getting really, really close to disclosure. Can you be more specific? What do you mean exactly? Hearings, the president telling the people, you have it. You already have disclosure, guys. It's here. You have two former directors of the CIA, a former director of national intelligence, a senior director of national intelligence, two former presidents of the United States, and now law saying it's real. It's, it's here. You have the disclosure you've been waiting for. If you're looking for a president to come out and say it after other ones have already said it, you, you don't need it. It's, it's, you have it. So... Let's let's I, I think the time has come to move on from that. We we have disclosure. What we don't have is transparency yet. So I think we need to start moving from when is disclosure going to happen? It already happened. It, it happened this last year. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. You did it. You got what you wanted, but it's not enough. Right now. We, now we want to know more. So so I think we need to now move the conversation from disclosure and now move it. So the thing, if you're waiting for the president to say, yeah, ha ha, laugh on you. Actually, we've always known about this. And here's what we know. You're not going to get it because there's some presidents that weren't even informed of it themselves. There were presidents in our own country that were not briefed to this topic. So if you're expecting a president that never received a briefing on this to all of a sudden come out and give you a briefing, it's not going to happen. The people who've been briefed have already come out and told you, look, I've been briefed. We know it's real. We don't know what it is. So now comes the hard part. Let's have that conversation. Okay. We got disclosure but we don't yet have confirmation or transparency. That's what we need to move towards now. In my opinion, this, this question up here. Um, and I, I would answer this question myself and say, I don't think so. Uh, do you personally feel that anyone directly involved with the 70 year cover up would be jailed? But the reason I put this question up there is um, there would be a lot of explaining to do. Wouldn't there, if there was a cover up all this time? Oh Yeah. Yeah, the big question is why and who gave you the authority mm. to keep it from the American people? I mean, there's some very significant reasons why I can, if you want me to explore anecdotally real quick with you. But, you know, I've said this before. Let me ask you this, Martin. 
Um, potential three three options, right? They're benevolent, uh, they're malevolent, or they're like us, kind of in the middle, can do good or bad. Um, let's let's talk about benevolence, right? Oh, they're here to help us, and they're here to stop us from from hurting ourselves. Well. During 1945, we vaporized 500,000 human beings off the face of this planet with the dropping of two atomic bombs, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Nowhere did yeah. UAP stop that. In fact, nowhere did UAP stop World War II, Korean War, Vietnam, or anything else. They haven't stopped COVID. They haven't stopped world hunger. They haven't stopped Ukraine. So the question is, is there any information to substantiate that these things are here to help us? Well, right now, there's not. Not from a national security yeah. perspective anyways. So, you know, save that for somebody else. So the real question is, okay, if they're not here for benevolent are they here to hurt us or are they here kind of like us to observe and maybe not interfere? Well, that's possible. But from a national security perspective, when we go into a country and we're doing, let's say, long range surveillance, right? And I send an alert team to go do reconnaissance because we're going to invade a country. Well, the moment that country finds out that I'm conducting reconnaissance into their borders, the jig is up. I now have to go, I have to invade. I have to attack because the element of surprise is over. So let's just say hypothetically, way just remote possibility that whatever's out there is planning to come here in 50 years. Just let's just say. But the moment that the American people find out it's real, and by the way, the American government acknowledges and the world acknowledges it, right? Now, whatever may happen in 50 years now happens, has to happen tomorrow. And by the way, we don't have any type of way to, to, to counteract it or to neutralize it or to exploit it. We don't, there's not a damn thing we can do about it. So that's not really good from a national security perspective. That's not really a good place you want to be in, especially when it comes to national security, because the mere fact of telling somebody, yes, they're here and we don't know what, what it is and we can't do anything about it, may actually predicate an action you're not ready to have yet. And so in a very weird kind of twisted sort of way, it actually may be a sense of patriotism that certain people have kept this quiet for so long because we we don't have we don't have a countermeasure. And so it, it is the one secret that if you acknowledge it exists, you could force the hand of someone or something to do something that you're not prepared to have happen yet. And so it, it's something to consider. Now, let me say for the record, I don't agree with that. Okay. But I can appreciate that. I can understand that. I can understand that somebody who's very patriotic and very senior says, look, the mere fact that we have this conversation could lead to something that we're we're not ready to deal with yet. And so I get it. And again, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm simply saying I can appreciate that and I understand it. And it's not as, you know, we it's it's harder to demonize someone if that really was their 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 motivation. You know, I never thought of that angle and I totally I totally understand and appreciate it. And and glad you glad you uh talked about that we are totally out of time lou it's been a real pleasure as always thank you so much and please continue what Martin, you're doing thank you and thank you to your wonderful audience thank you for for a civil debate and a civil conversation here ultimately that's what this is about we can all agree to disagree and i want to thank you very much and i also want to thank your moderators for allowing people to have a voice but at the same time remaining respectful with one another because at the end of the day, that's the only way we're going to be able to really move forward on this topic. We've, we've got to learn to work together and stop letting our, our, our pride and our ego drive the conversation. Right. All right, Lou, will you take care? Thanks again. Yes, sir. Thanks. Thank you very much. Take care. All right. Bye now. 
All right, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, your participation tonight. I'm looking all blurry. I don't know why now, but anyway, thanks again, everyone. And we'll be back next week with Jack Brewer. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky and see you next week. <laughs>